1: House lights down. Welcome to the Post-Sunday Blues, a preaching post-mortem. I'm here with my husband, Jim. I'm Emily.
0: <laughs> Hello.
1: And, um, yeah, today we're doing doing the same same old, same old.
0: That's right. We are going to take a break for the summer as usual. So I, I'm not sure how Hello, many more the of countdown. these that we have uh, mid-June. We'll probably sign off for a little take while. Take a break. Yeah, for Stop a new talking. season.
1: Stuck talking to each other. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we'll be fresher that way if we go months without speaking uh,
1: probably so <laughs> um, how's life been end of end of spring End of spring How has life been I feel like we, we haven't talked
0: <laughs> yeah it was a busy weekend and we do have a are, are we doing a date night this Friday
1: as long as you're not in DC
0: <laughs> I am not in DC <laughs> so I'll, I'll be here where are we going <sighs> well, that wasn't a facetious question okay. <laughs>
1: Uh, for listeners, I am supposed to be the one planning a date night, and that is, like, Friday. So, like, I'm not thinking about it, but I'm sure.
0: And just to clarify, I, I, I asked know, you I know, if you I wanted, yeah, so yeah, yeah. I I wasn't just, like, mindlessly out, outsourcing <laughs> date night because I didn't want to <laughs> deal with it. But anyway.
1: You're doing great. <laughs> you, you wanted me to decide so that I would be happy with the food choice. and
0: I, I asked you if you wanted to go in that direction. <laughs> Why can't we just okay. take responsibility?
1: I think we can get started now because I'm not positive how much people want to hear our um, our uh, we, we, semi-argument banger. We, we fit our
0: quota. We're good.
1: Um, call it Stormy Monday. This sermon. Let's get back to the sermon. What? Why this sermon? Why this Sunday? You started with midlife crisising, so this is your midlife crisis sermon. Uh,
0: one of them. It's going to be an ongoing series. So okay. we started with. with this one, and yeah, we'll get to talking midlife crisis, but the rationale for it was the death of Abraham in the midst of a genealogy in Genesis chapter 25. So 90% of the time, and when I start looking at a passage, studying commentaries for a sermon, uh, pretty rarely do I have an idea pre-baked before I do research, thinking and praying about something about Where's the sermon going to go? What's it going to be about? Mm -hmm. That's part of the fun of the creative process for me, the self-discovery. Each week when, in the midst of studying and considering a passage, I'll think to myself, oh, we could go in this direction or that direction. This is one of the sermons that was an exception where I had a pretty good idea just based on a cursory look at this passage when I mapped out the sermon series. Oh, if we're Death of Abraham, Genesis 25, this is probably going to be something about taking the long view of our lives.
1: Okay. Okay. So you just, you just had a sense, um, or it just maybe is the more obvious thing because it's a genealogy mostly, and... Yeah,
0: <laughs> we'll, and, and we'll talk about this in Sun Studios, but the, this passage doesn't give me a lot of interpretive options one way or another, so it was a little bit of a process of elimination where either we talk about taking the long view of life on the basis of Abraham's life finishing up here, or maybe I just do a deep dive into Kedar Mibsum, Mibsam Duma, Masa Hadad, <laughs> Tima Jitrin, okay, and off. Kedema.
1: So that's the context of when you were plotting out this sermon series. However long ago you you did that, well, how long uh, ago was it? A few months ago. So, but right at, as of like this week, when you turn the page, I know you mentioned this genealogy last podcast, so you mm-hmm. were it was in your brain a little bit. But like, what were the more proximate? things that were going on for you as you approached this week.
0: The flip side of thinking that for this sermon I would talk about our taking a longer view of our lives. The challenge that I thought of accompanying it is a sermon that encourages people to take the long view of their lives could be a weak sauce sort of sermon, like just kind of obvious and not really interesting because of course we should anyway. So I mean,
1: you could say that about most Christian topics. <laughs> Yes, we should love our neighbors. Yes, we should forgive our spouses.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That is true. And including this time, I guess, I wanted to find ways to make it interesting, give it some teeth. And then also, I think I gave this qualifier towards the end of my first of the three points, give it a specifically christian spin as opposed to just a bland hallmark card. Mm-hmm. Think about where your life is going and what you want to do so that you can make good choices. So sure. hopefully it was a little more impactful than a hallmark card. I, I always picture the people that write hallmark cards and greeting cards and that sort of thing as incredibly bitter chain smokers. I don't know what? why. <laughs> you they, have really strange. Sit around all day writing heaven. overly sentimental okay. <laughs> poems.
1: Okay, Mr. Apologies pastor. out there okay, Mr. To, pastor, to the bitter chain that's smokers. Your aspiring chain smoking <laughs> pastor. Um,
0: <laughs> I don't like that comment.
1: <laughs> so when when you're approaching that here, it's also like seasonally, it's kind of a weird like because spring is the start of things that are new. Um, Not my problem. I guess, I guess it's like graduation could be happening for people. That like graduation's a time of like, and you did you did jump off with, uh, dropping your kid off in college. Yeah. Um, I've,
0: I've used multiple sermon introductions observing that we're in graduation season one way or another. So mm -hmm. that's an overused trope for me.
1: Um, there's the like death on the TV show that we're watching, but, um, Mm. anyway, so we, can we move to sun studios? Let's do it. Um, so tell us about this passage and, Another genealogy. One of the problems with your going through Genesis. Maybe not before. Yeah. You're looking at me like... Actually, maybe it was Genesis plus the, like...
0: You mean uh, the genealogies? Yeah. That's yeah, it's mostly Genesis. But when I complain about genealogies, that's only faux complaining. I actually really enjoy the okay. challenge of, <laughs> of genealogies. Tell us they're, more. They're always interesting. So, the... What stands out in this what stands out in this case with the genealogy um, is simply that Abraham's death is nestled into it. Mm-hmm. So the particular rationale for a genealogy like this is it's a way of showcasing how God blessed Abraham when he has this this really big family. So that's step one, and then step two, sort of similar in a much smaller way to the story of. Rebecca being taken to Isaac where there's just all of these details. Similar principle here where I think the phrase that I used on Sunday was a purposeful redundancy in talking about Abraham's death where you have all of these phrases piling up one on top of another. Mm -hmm. There there are more words used here to describe a death in Genesis Mm -hmm. in the Pentateuch than than normal which is the writer's way of saying pay attention think not only about the death but also about the life mm-hmm. and I try to think the yeah abraham has been is the biggest character in genesis you get a lot with joseph at the end the joseph story slows down and takes a lot of time but maybe second to moses in terms of the length of time and maybe Aaron. but anyway abraham <laughs> big deal in in the have, book of genesis
1: do you have suggestions for people this is this is kind of a tangent. Not really, but like okay. I mean, looking yes. back at the Bible passage, when it's a genealogy, what are you supposed to do? Is it, is it okay to kind of skim read and get to something else? That's what most of us do, including me.
0: Yeah, that, that's a good question. Bible reading tip. I think basically, yeah, it's okay. So even for my own process, when I figure out what to preach from a gene- genealogy, that takes a good bit of time and commentary study. When I... Just go through genealogies in my own Bible reading plan, including I'm in the book of Numbers right now, right. so there's a lot Just of genealogies there. Like Just the whole there. book is genealogies. Just kind of <laughs> look look for different noogies. Just try to find a couple interesting uh-huh. details and keep going. Or the upshot question, what are we, what are we supposed to take away? That's all I got. Yeah. But but on on the other hand, I hope people are doing Bible reading plans, and you get to a day where there's a lot of genealogy. Uh, treat it as like a I can this this won't take quite as long so
1: treat it as what? <laughs> <laughs> i mean alternately, real talk alternately real talk just go to another passage or <laughs> you have something else to meditate on if you can't if you can't get yeah, something that's true. from this text uh, you're like, right, i don't you're think right. you should like half force yourself to dig to find that abraham Like let me meditate on Abraham's life. Like you, you could like just skip to something that where your brain is meditating on something. Yeah, that's I agree more chunkable. Yep, better than nothing. Yep, (laughs) true. Slacker question. Sorry. Um, any other challenges with this specific um text?
0: Not really. I and it it didn't take interpretive Houdini work to get there. But wanting to connect. The end of Abraham's life to understanding that as Paul says, for example, in the book of Galatians, we are Abraham's children, Abraham's heirs. So emphasizing that the story is, is ours. And then a couple of details. And then a couple of things that I didn't talk about him. The verse 11 really is important. After the death of Abraham, God blessed Isaac. I, I did hit Isaac, his son. I did hit it in the sermon, but just to emphasize, that's not A throwaway line or just typical Bible language that we can gloss over but very specifically Genesis wants to emphasize that the covenantal line of blessing which began with Abraham does go to the next generation that that's key to the story and then also I just like the little detail and hopefully I didn't overpress it on Sunday morning but the fact we just actually watched an episode about a funeral where you have lots of different family members coming together including ones that don't necessarily spend a whole lot of time with each other. Otherwise, both Isaac and Ishmael burying Abraham. Commentators do say maybe, even though there's no direct evidence for it, maybe Ishmael and Isaac had some sort of coming together, a reconciliation, Mm -hmm. which certainly fits the movement of the gospel, forgiveness and reconciliation. So those couple of things, a couple of things quickly that I didn't talk about if people are interested so Abraham breathed his last and died in a good old age, an old man and full of years and was gathered to his people. That, that phrase, gathered to his people, it is a facet of the Old Testament, especially earlier on, where a mature biblical view of the afterlife, heaven and hell sort of stuff, is less clear at the very beginning of God's revelation. So this is not less inspired scripture than later on. That, but there is probably an idea that being gathered to your people is some sort of reunited with, uh, with those that have gone before. So it, it's likewise not a throwaway phrase, but there is a specific view of the afterlife that is being pointed to there. And then also, I, I thought about saying this in the sermon. Uh, what do we do with the fact that Abraham had all of these concubines? Mm-hmm. And it's possible that even Keturah, Abraham took another life, uh, another wife whose name was Keturah. She, she could have been a concubine, too. Uh, hey, does does the Bible condone polygamy? Are we revising our views of marriage standards and per- permissibility when the biblical record itself is pretty messy? So critics of the scriptures will say, hey, the Bible doesn't even have a coherent picture of marriage. Um, including because Abraham had all these concubines and it was fine. The, the standard answer back, and I think it's a good one, is that while we see examples of multiple wives, concubines from Old Testament figures, descriptively they do it, but it's never encouraged or commanded by God. And in fact, there are plenty of examples, including in Deuteronomy, where Moses giving his law to regulate kings down the line says they should not take more than one wife. Mm-hmm. And the <clears throat> the reality is very often when people take multiple wives or concubines, things go badly for them, including in the case of Sarah being upset with Hagar. So anyway, FYI.
1: Yeah. Interesting nuances. Yep. Um, speaking of nuances, muddying the waters. Um, yes. As you pulled deeper into the sermon, what were you what were your main goals?
0: That's where thinking about the midlife crisis came in. So uh-huh. so a couple of different things to hit. I I guess midlife crisis and then also present by bias were the were were the couple of things. And I did want to by by saying, "Hey, even if you're young, you your optionality is continually declining about what you might do. So
1: w- I looked to... at Jessie when you said that, and she didn't like Link at all, but like, her life is still ahead of her. Her options are not closing in. But yeah, that's true. They close in around, what, 30? 18? 30, 18, uh, really? I think so. 20? 25?
0: I mean, just choosing one thing over another as your major, where to go to college, I if guess. you go to college. So
1: I don't think it has as much... Anyway. Yeah, I,
0: I think that's fair, but I did my best to universalize midlife crisis beyond just people uh-huh. that actually are, are having those are things. You? So, yeah. I, I'm
1: already over mine, so I don't know what you're I, dealing with. I, I did
0: get specific feedback from a couple of people after the sermon that said, I feel like I'm in a midlife crisis uh-huh, right now, so uh-huh. it, it happens, um, so yeah, leveraging or Using midlife crisis as an example of uh, thinking about our lives in a big picture perspective. And then also this whole idea of present bias, mm-hmm. which in some ways is old. You even have, you know, the old biblical phrase, let us eat, drink, and be merry because tomorrow we die. So present bias has been around for a long time, but increasingly it's studied as such. And there is something. Even scholars will say uniquely American about hmm. how we we live for the we live for the moment. It's and not for the not for the not picture. not for the longer term, and that's not what God wants us to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's let's think longer term about how we live our lives. I guess in two ways, on the basis of making choices and decisions now that are involved with leaving a legacy, being the sort of person that God has called us to be, a long and obedient life like Abraham lived, and then also what can ameliorate ameliorate negative feelings connected to lack of optionality or midlife crisis, like I quoted from Amazing Grace at the end of the sermon. We have no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. So. Even if you're having a midlife crisis and you think your life is half over, that's actually not true because yeah. we have an eternity of time.
1: Yeah. Good stuff. Um, I was to back up a little bit to your present bias yep. segment. Um, just like literally I wrote this literally as you were saying, like thinking about the long view versus thinking about the short view. Mm-hmm. I was literally po- plotting out what to cook for dinner. <laughs> it was just really funny. Like my multitasking brain Sometimes I like I just need to like write it down so that I stop thinking about it. But yeah. I was literally thinking, okay, I need to think. about what, what I'm cooking for dinner? We're having people over, and like then you were saying, but our brains like want to think about what we're having for lunch or something. And Uh-oh. I'm like, oh my gosh,
0: <laughs> <laughs> busted. It <laughs> was really funny. Love it.
1: Um. So yeah, I'm with the present bias. Like, oh, okay, yeah, that's probably true that I think about what's right in front of me and not not the bigger picture. Yeah, so it's a good it's a good call.
0: And, and I mentioned in connection with that, too, and, you know, anybody can make pronouncements about what our culture is or is not doing right now. Mm-hmm. So I want to be careful not to say that I'm the perfect interpreter, that this is definitely true. But it does seem like part of present bias now is we need to be happy. And if there's not. If we're not one hundred percent happy at a given moment, then there's something wrong. Uh, I think there's something to that, at least. Or consider it from this flip side, where um, we don't know how to sit with discontent and unhappiness. Mm-hmm. That that well, we yeah. think something's like severely wrong if we're not always completely content, which actually increases our discontent and.
1: And this is where we can, like, broadly apply back to the 2 year olds, even. Yeah. Two-year-old onward, maybe even ba- newborn onward, that, like, waiting is not the uh, attitude yeah. of our heart ever.
0: Yep. Yep, that's true. But always or over-focusing on being happy at every given moment is a little bit like continually checking your credit score, where mm-hmm. the more you, you check your credit score it actually hurts your credit scores. so thinking <laughs> thinking about or obsessing about needing to be always happy decreases our happiness but taking a longer view does 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 the opposite and and there's one way that this is something that that Christianity energizes and, and and makes vital is in a couple couple different ways uh, it's easier to take the long view when you have hope as opposed to not Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and that's what the gospel does it gives us hope for our futures not only in the new heavens and new earth to to come but it gives us the courage to take a longer view without just being cynical and pessimistic right and and i do think one of the ingredients of present bias is whether or not it's front of mind that pessimism and cynicism that says, Hey, life's it, it really is that eat, drink and be merry for tomorrow we die. Mm-hmm. Like life's probably just gonna get worse and worse and worse. So we so, don't have to plan for it. Yeah, don't have to plan for it. Just try to squeeze everything that I can out of the present moment because that's that that's all we got. I mean there's tons of pop songs even that say sure. Yeah, living living in 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 the moment. And wanted to apply that to
1: uh, the environmental the secular to the secular audience or no sure i'm just predicting well no yeah
0: that's that (laughs) that works too so trying to i guess the phrase that i've been using for the past couple of weeks scriptural sanity through a weird world where um what what we assume makes perfect sense from like a typical secular mindset does does it actually and trying to to poke some holes in what's in the cultural drinking water and air that we breathe. So, and this is, this was an oversimplification obviously, but care for care for the environment, leaving a legacy for future generations actually doesn't comport with the ethicists that are leaning hard right now into speciesism and saying that one of the whole big problems with the world is that we put too much emphasis on, on human beings. Um, and, uh, speciesism and environmental care aren't necessarily two ideas that go hand in hand. You you can bridge them in different ways where where you could say, hey, it's not just, you know, privileging human beings for future generations, but we want to care for the, you know, the little animals and the plants and, and and all of that stuff too. But I think there is still a sense in which, hey, if our universe is from nowhere, going nowhere, completely purposeless Uh, why why do we need to set up future generations well and it's even when ethicists and biologists talk about genetic determinism it's it's actually a bad idea for us to try to hold off on consuming all the resources we can from a genetic perspective for for, for future generations when uh, there's the whole virtue of selfishness thing if you just take a thoroughly naturalistic view of all this stuff and yeah, So and and just focusing on the fact that intuitively, should we as human beings plan well for the future and what's coming? I, I think there's a human intuition that says yes. Mm-hmm. That's only real because we're in a world that God created who gives us a good future in Jesus mm-hmm. Christ. Uh, as, aside from that, why why even bother? Right. Happy thoughts. <laughs> um, and fi- finally, here I am, I wanted to mention from the... Isaac and Ishmael be, being together not, not the main part of the sermon but and maybe tacked on a, a little bit but if there is a hint of potential reconciliation within families in this story our world is tending in the opposite direction where there is so much dysfunction and people cutting people off uh, but maybe there is a, a different way and more hopeful way forward with that as well.
1: Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, That's what
0: I got Mudding the Waters. Good
1: stuff. Barbank cover tunes.
0: Not a ton. I, I did enjoy having uh, Bruce reference in the...
1: Which was also a, in the another story. reference. What do you mean? That Badlands was a reference yeah. to a movie we saw.
0: Oh, that's right.
1: Oh, you didn't even think, no, in I didn't your, even think it was of that. in your subterranean. I thought that was a shout out for me. No. <laughs> I'm so sad.
0: I mean, sure.
1: <laughs> yeah. I was really liking um Badlands uh yeah
0: <laughs> for the ones it, 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 if Helen Wells don't know it's that song really... it is one of Bruce's yeah. best songs I think yeah has that I don't that... think
1: it's totally a spoiler but I, I'll just yeah. refrain.
0: It's it's a needle drop at a movie that we've seen recently <laughs> but the the song lyric is for the ones who had a notion a notion deep inside that it ain't no sin to be glad you're alive. We'll find one face that ain't looking through me, etc. And I just, just about Bruce, real fast. So, I gave a really negative take on Bruce's current tour mm-hmm. that was out of step with fandom when yeah. I wrote it. I, I would say my piece went viral, it didn't, but my opinion was definitely out of step with fans. Yeah, and increasingly they're coming to my perspective, so there's Aww. a growing. Discontent with Bruce's current I tour, pretty much specifically along the same lines that
1: I bet I bet I'm right, but I'm not gonna say. But it's just my right about what. But why I think that Bruce is. Oh yeah. Anyway. Okay.
0: Yeah. That's just uh, and before your Badlands comment, you
1: were <laughs> you were saying that you were aspiring to be happy. Philly's Philly's boards aside, which I. What. <laughs> <laughs> What are the Phillies doing this year? Uh, scuffling. Like, what yep. are the Sixers up to? Uh, Vacation. On the shore. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you mentioned Tim Keller, which also was like it. I it was like an Abraham moment in some ways for uh, people who do know Tim Keller. Yeah,
0: yeah. Gen- or I, I I had written to mention this in slim picking. So mm-hmm. Tim Keller died uh friday he had had stage four pancreatic cancer for for a long time and s- simply to mention he is somebody that is pretty influential in a lot of church circles in which we we run including in, your own yeah including <laughs> my own uh, a huge influence on on the way that i preach and think about preaching and do ministry so this yeah. even this past weekend i was reflecting had a deacon's meeting or a deacon training meeting with Kathy and Maya on Sunday morning. We were using Tim Keller's Ministries Mm -hmm. of Mercy book. We give as a free book, Prodigal God, and on Sunday afternoon, we had Missional Enrichment when we were talking about Office of Elder and Deacon, and we're using a lot of Keller material again, too, as we have at multiple points in missional enrichment so
1: speaking of legacy then yeah
0: yeah ton, ton of legacy Definitely. there and just a week or two earlier, not knowing that Tim was as close as he was I guess to passing away, although I guess I knew that it was gonna mm-hmm. happen shorter term rather than longer term. There was a biography that was just published about hmm. Tim Keller and I started reading that and even over the past couple of days have gotten a little teary-eyed oh, reading the uh, yeah. reading the, the, the Keller bio. He was, he was one of the good guys, and I've told a couple of people last thing about that. Um, the Unless there's going to be one huge expose one way or another, yeah, was, uh, it seems like he was the real deal. You, yeah. you, you hear so many stories about celebrity pastors that turn out to be monsters one way or another mm-hmm. it, that it just seems like Keller was the genuine, genuine, humble article. Yeah. And I, I was talking with a couple of people after Missional Enrichment The the whole thing about celebrity pastors is fairly new. Where, um, well, no, Jonathan there's... Edwards, like yeah, uh, yeah, that's Martin true. Luther, <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. Well, it's as, is... as 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 media has accelerated, so has celebrity pastor. There seems to be something particularly incong- incongruous about celebrity pastors and the effect that the negative effect that fame has on pastoral ministry and pastors specifically I would still say like
1: it's not e- I I'm always like in the it's not just modern because like I, I think that that's what was happening with like popes in the time of the reformation uh, like yeah. it's the it's leadership and power yep um it, you don't even you don't need cameras fair absolute power <laughs> corrupts
0: absolutely so yep so we let's see Barbine Cover tunes. we had Bruce the article about present bias. I mentioned families breaking up more easily. I, the title of that article is Fault Lines, Fractured mm. Families and How to Mend Them. I think that may have actually just been a clickbait article. I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I have to go back and check. Don't Google and, and something that, I, I mean, I felt good enough about the article that I quoted uh-huh. in, in, in a sermon. I think I just came upon it while surfing the internet one day and flagged it. Uh, Julian Barnes, Sense of an Ending. I, I'm going to have to retire this quote, at least temporarily, because I use it a lot. At the end of a really messy book about a messy life that's very well written, there is accumulation, there is responsibility, and beyond these, there is unrest. There is great unrest.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: But we have more hope than that for our lives. Good stuff. Yep.
1: Dark. Um, leftovers pickens I, I took it but if it is kind of a reference to argue oh. the, the Jim Keller stuff you yep. said that was a guitar like I'm just commenting on your your buckets <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay
1: anything else in that bucket I think, think that perfect sermon. Nothing all you, that you I, I,
0: I, I I enjoyed talking about. I mean, I guess it's a cliche, but midlife crisis in terms of sports cars. Oh, that was fun. Uh
1: huh. Uh huh. Trivia. Midlife crisis. Trivia. Are you? Are you exited? Have you exited midlife crisis? i
0: on cruise control. T is <laughs> the car metaphor.
1: Are you buying a car?
0: Well, my. Emmy, uh, you know this, but but my dad, his newest project is uh, restoring his mean... 1950 Plymouth, bringing it back into working order. Does that and mean so this, he's 85? Your still, midlife crisis cars... is going to last <laughs> another 40 years.
1: <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Mine lasted for like two years, so I feel like <laughs> maybe
0: maybe may my version of the midlife crisis will be fixing the huge dent on the back of our old minivan that'll Uh, be my uh, uh, midlife crisis gift for
1: for clara look for it (laughs) um okay any hell and wolves not this week post sunday blues at gmail.com your last last couple chances yeah get it Um, while it's hot and i guess that's it any other announcements nothing's happening right
0: uh, I mean, things are always happening. Look, <laughs> looking forward to uh, oh this coming week, and I'll I'll see if I can squeeze in talk, talking with Derek afterwards for a for a podcast. But Derek Del Rimpel preaching this Sunday for Liberty Communion's Mission Sunday that uh-huh. coincides with with Pentecost, and I did I did mention so that <clears throat> there was a missive went that that went out to the communion. Saying, hey, it's going to be Mission Sunday, and we'd love you to preach about missions in your local churches. And there were some suggested sermon texts about mission. I was disappointed inside baseball when I saw those suggestions about sermon texts, just because they were like they're the the obvious obvious ones. So, Psalm 67, let the nations be glad, or the Great Commission. Therefore, make disciples this is part of of all nations. Acts chapter two, Pentecost. They're
1: actually speaking about missions. <laughs> I know they're
0: fine, but 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 when Derek came back with a text that was not any of those, I was like, okay, we're 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 he, we're he not just playing the hits right now. This is, is going to be a great sermon.
1: Exciting. Yeah. Um, and I think with that, how was it?
0: That was amazing. Thanks so much for joining us. This has been the Post Sunday Blues a preaching post mortem. Production of Liberty Collingswood. Go ahead, rate, review, and subscribe. And you can find all things Liberty Collingswood at libertycollingswood.org. No more post Sunday blues. Here comes some pre Sunday happy. Ready? Yeah.
1: You're so quick now. <clears throat>